Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What is a tribulation? It's God's wrath. Pastor Mark, I don't like that. God's a loving God. Yeah, but God's a just God. See, we know this. Whatever we reap, we normally sow. God's very patient. He's been waiting. But one day, he's going to pay back for those people who have rebelled against him, continue to rebel against him, want to have nothing to do with him, get out of my life, and he's going to basically say, fine, I agree with you. And the wrath of God is going to be experienced in those seven years. The unsaved world believes that this world is going to continue on and on forever. If they think about that kind of thing at all, we who understand the fallen nature and subsequent rebellion of mankind against God's rule know that all of this is going to be brought to an end by God himself. Prior to that end, though, God is going to rain down judgment on the earth for man's revolt. Pastor Mark is teaching about the events of the last days, urging us to take what Scripture says about this seriously. As we embrace what God says is going to happen, this should spur us to warn those around us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with part one of his message, Eagerly Waiting. Now I want to give you a little challenge, and I don't want you to respond verbally, but I want you to think about this. When I mention the words, eagerly waiting, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, what I decided to do is I wrote a bunch of them down, since I knew you wouldn't respond to me anyway. Any NFL fans out there? Any NFL fans out there? Okay, praise God. Eagerly waiting. NFL fans are eagerly waiting for the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Oilers all to win their first Super Bowl before 2015. Hey, What do you think? Any chance? Yeah. Well, here's another one now. I know you can get excited about this. Come on now, you got to respond. We're eagerly waiting, Pastor Mark, for gas prices to go below $1.50 a gallon. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, that's good. Here's a better one, affects all of us. Pastor Mark, we're eagerly waiting for the United States to be debt free. Okay. Ladies, I wrote one for you. You ready? Pastor Mark, I'm eagerly waiting for all my wrinkles to be gone and my skin like a baby's bottom. Yay! I heard a few guys even doing that one. What's up with you? Now, this is for all the singles. This is for the singles. Get ready. 
Pastor Mark, I'm eagerly waiting to get married to the perfect spouse. I know he or she is out there. Now, any of you that are single, would you like to stand right now? And we'll see if we can match you up in our services. There's one over here. There's one right here. There's one back over here. There's another one over here. Praise God, they're happening. This is Calvary Chapel's Match.com. Here we are. All right, good stuff. And here's the last one. Pastor Mark, I'm eagerly waiting for any CCM pastor to be able to do a sermon in 30 minutes or less. Okay. Guess what? If you're waiting for any of those things I just said to you, you're going to be waiting forever. Because basically, impossible, unrealistic. But I'm going to talk to you about some things this morning that you and I should be eagerly waiting for because they're all going to happen. Turn to Philippians, where you are, chapter 3, verse 20. Now, remember, Paul is writing this from a prison in Rome. He's writing to the church at Philippi, trying to bring them up to speed and encourage them. Notice he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we, now you know the reason for the title, eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Christ followers, we're citizens already of heaven. In other words, all of us are simply pilgrims, aliens, Traveling to our final destination, which is heaven. So Paul says, while we wait to go to heaven, there has to be an attitude that we should have. And he says, we should be eagerly awaiting our trip to heaven. Now, when we think of eagerly awaiting, most of us will have the wrong concept. We're just talking about waiting, kind of with an anticipation. But that's not really what the word means. Let me give you a wrong example of eagerly waiting. Eagerly waiting doesn't mean that as a Christ follower, I go to Cracker Barrel, sit in one of their rocking chairs, and wait till Jesus comes back. (laughs) That is not what we're talking about. Here's the definition. Write it down this morning what it means to wait eagerly. The word in the original language means earnest. We're into it. Notice the next part. Active. Active. Patient, waiting with expectation. While we're waiting, while we're excited, while we know it's going to happen, we're active. We are actively waiting and we are actively working to do what God's asked us to do, which is simply expand the kingdom of God while we're here on this earth. In the original language, when you see the two words eagerly awaiting, 
it almost always refers to the second coming of Jesus. Now, let me explain that to you. When Jesus came to the earth as a baby, that's his first coming. Then he went to the cross. He died. He was resurrected three days later. Forty days later, he went back to heaven. Now, the Bible tells us many places, which we'll study today, that he's coming back to the earth. And you're going to see this morning, this second coming has the purpose of basically getting us to heaven and getting us with these new bodies that he's designed for us. So let me show you a couple other verses that talk about these words that all are connected with the second coming. Here it is. Hebrews 9.28. He will come again, not to deal with our sin, that's a second coming, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting him. There's those words again, having to do with Jesus coming back to this earth, his second coming. 1 Corinthians 1, 7. Now, this is very important. Many of you are saying, well, Pastor Mark, you say I'm supposed to be active for God. Well, I really don't have any giftings. I mean, you have a gift. God's given you ability to, to speak to people and make it practical, but I don't have any of those kind of abilities. I'm not gifted at all. No, you're 100% wrong. Look what this verse says. Now you, and that's you, have every spiritual gift you need, you need, as you eagerly await for the return, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? That means today, no excuse for you, no excuse at all for any of us. So I want you to say something to your neighbor with a nice smile right now. Just turn to them and just turn to them and go, go like that. No excuses. No excuses. Just, just do that way right now. Play a little sword thing with them. No excuses. So nobody can walk out of here and say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm really going to be the person that's going to be sitting at Cracker Barrel. If you go there this afternoon, you'll see me. And that's kind of when I'm going to hang out because I have no gifts. Wrong. You have giftings. That God has given all of us. Now, who wouldn't want to be eagerly waiting to go to heaven? After all, we know that what? Heaven's better. After all, we know when we get there, we are going to get a new body. Ladies, can I hear an amen? Amen. And after all, we know one day that this earth is going to be destroyed. I don't know whether you noticed this morning. Another huge earthquake in Turkey. You see, our world, Romans 8, if you want to study it sometime, just go to, it says the earth is groaning. Looking for one thing, the second coming of Jesus. Now, why would the earth be doing that? Because God's going to resurrect the whole heavens and the earth and make it brand new. No sin will be at all in any of the areas that are done. How do we get to this heaven? Well, first of all, if you're not a Christian, the only way you can get to heaven is to repent of your sins Ask Jesus Christ who paid for them in his first coming on the cross. Receive him in your life and begin following him. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Once you are a Christian, how do we get to heaven? We get to heaven by two ways. One, by death. Everybody is going to die. That's not a kind of like a debate. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm not really into that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're all going to die. You might live to be 100, 105, whatever, but you're going to die. The only exception to that 
is another way to get to heaven for a Christian, only a Christian, is the rapture. So we want to look at that, which is part of the second coming. Now, when we see the second coming, there's lots of things that the Bible speaks about when we talk about the second coming. Let me read to you out of Acts chapter 1. Now, let me give you the scenario. Jesus has just been resurrected. He's talking to his disciples. He gives them the great commandment to go into all the world. And then he says, you need to be filled with God's power if you're going to make an impression on the world. And then he actually goes right into heaven with the disciples watching him. Well, the very next thing we see is the angels who are there. And it's, it was a physical thing. They watched him. They're still kind of, what? where in the world did he go? Because he was in his new glorified body. And the angels say this. Listen to what they say. Men of Galilee, disciples, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So what he says to them, this isn't the last time you're going to see him. He's actually going to come back again to this earth in the same way physically. Now, how does that work and what does that look like? Jesus' second coming, Jesus' return, what does it look like? Let me show you the two phases that we believe are in the second coming of Jesus. You should write this down because you're going to be part of this. Number one, phase one, Jesus is going to be coming for the church. That's the rapture. We'll define that for you in a moment. He's going to be coming for the church. He's not coming to the earth in this one. He's coming in the air for the church, for believers. The second phase of his coming, which will happen seven years later, Jesus is going to be coming with us because we're going to be in heaven with the church, and he's going to come to this world to set up his kingdom for a thousand years. So there is a difference. The second coming is put into two phases. First, the rapture, where he's coming to take us as Christians out of the world. The second time, we're coming actually with him, and he's going to come to this earth, and he's going to set up his kingdom for a thousand years and rule and reign it. Now, I want to begin explaining to you, you just saw a word there that maybe none of you have ever heard before, rapture, rapture. What is the rapture? Well, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. It's about three books back from where you are, three books back there. You were in Philippians, just go to Colossians, and then what's actually two, 1 Thessalonians. Go back to 1 Thessalonians. This is Paul speaking, and let's go to chapter 4, and then verse 15. Now watch what Paul teaches and what we believe. Verse 15. Notice Paul's first words. We tell you this. I'll read it out of the New Living Translation. Directly from the Lord. So this is not like Paul's idea. This isn't Calvary Chapel writing. This is God's word. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. I'll explain that very clearly to you in a moment. For the Lord himself, Jesus, will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, 
with the trumpet call of God, first, the Christians who have already died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive when this rapture happens and remain on the earth, we will be, and I don't know, in your Bible, you'll have all kinds of words. This one says caught up. You can just circle that caught up in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord for how long? Let's be excited about that. Then we will be with the Lord forever. This is not like a three-week vacation. We're going to be in heaven forever. That's exciting. That's exciting. Now, where is the rapture in those verses? I ask you to circle a word. Translation I had is caught up. Well, that is our English word rapture. Comes actually from the Latin. And it means this. It means to be caught up, to be snatched away. And really it means to be snatched away instantly and quickly. Instantly and quickly and with force. It doesn't mean like a hot air balloon. It means to be caught up instantly and to be snatched away. Where are we today on this whole end times thing? We're here in the present, the church age. When Jesus went back to heaven, he established something called the church. Everybody that believes in him and has a personal relationship are part of the church. It's people. It's not a bill. It's not Calvary Chapel versus Presbyterian or Baptist or CAV or whatever you want to say. We're Christians. We're the church. And we have the responsibility of being Jesus on this earth so that we can get all the, This is the bottom line. Bottom line, everybody, everybody will end in one of two locations, heaven or hell. From where we are now to where we get there, lots of things happen. And here's the first thing you get to see. Notice we had the word rapture. There is coming a time, and I'll explain it to you, when God is going to send Jesus back into the air, into the heavens. He's not coming to the earth. That's why you see a little blue arrow that doesn't touch the earth, but just goes right back up. He's coming. And when he comes, he's coming for a reason. What happens after the rapture? Tribulation. How many years does that last? seven years. Where is that going to happen? It's on the earth. What is the tribulation? It's God's wrath. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't like that. God's a loving God. Yeah, but God's a just God. See, we know this. Whatever we reap, we normally sow. God's very patient. He's been waiting. But one day, he's going to pay back For those people who have rebelled against him, continue to rebel against him, want to have nothing to do with him, get out of my life, and he's going to basically say, fine, I agree with you. And the wrath of God is going to be experienced in those seven years. So why do we believe there's a rapture? You'll see this in a moment. Because who is going to escape all of that? All the people that have already died, you're going to see, miss that. And you and I, as Christians, are going to miss it. Now, it's in a two-phase kind of thing as you watch it. So when the rapture occurs, it's going to happen at a moment. And let me, we've just read some things, so I'll explain it to you very simply. The first people in the rapture to be resurrected are the people who are already in heaven. Now, that sounds weird. So watch me. And this is very simple. This is biblical all the way through. Let's say tomorrow morning I die. 
When I die, where does my body go? No, my body goes where? Into the earth or to be what? Cremated. Is there any difference? Doesn't matter. All it does is speed up what happens in the earth. I'm going to be cremated. My wife's going to take my ashes and she's going to put them, she already told me, in roses in the backyard. And she's going to sit out in her chair and just think of what a perfect husband I was. She's, she's going to worship me, man. It's going to be great. Now, if, when I'm gone, then my spirit goes where? Into heaven. So when I'm in heaven, you text me if my wife immediately sells our house and moves somewhere else with this big hulk of a guy. You text me, would you? Because I'm going to say to God, we got to get even with this deal here. So I told her that last night so she knows she can't sell the house immediately. You're going to have to sit out there and go, man, he was an amazing husband. Well, maybe not. All right. But am I right? Am I right? When we die, for a Christian, absent from the body, present, present with the Lord. Where is the Lord? He's in heaven. How many have loved ones already in heaven waiting for you? Can't wait to see them, huh? It's going to be gay. So what happens when the rapture occurs? Jesus appears in the air. Instantaneously, the people who have already died, they're here. They're here in heaven. And what happens? Their bodies are raised. You say, well, God can't put them back together. (laughs) Come on now. How did we start? We started as dirt. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm really just dirt. Go ahead and just tell them that right now. (laughs) So that's not like a problem. It's not a problem. So what happens is God takes our body or the ashes, he brings them up into the air, and we instantly get, if we've already died, our glorified body. The very next thing that happens is, every Christian that's on earth, what happens? They're, what's the word for rapture? Snatched away. They're instantly snatched away, and as we're headed to heaven, instantly, we get our what? New glorified bodies. Where do we then go? Into heaven, into heaven, How long will we be with the Lord? Forever. But there is a seven-year period that instantly begins on the earth of God's wrath. Now, what happens in that seven-year period? This is where the Antichrist comes. This is where there'll be a one-world government. There will be a one-world economy. There'll be a one-world religion. Do you think we're headed there already? Yes, we are. And God is going to pour out his wrath. Let me read you the scriptures, because I think you need to see it. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. 1 Thessalonians, you don't need to turn there. 1 Thessalonians 5.10. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the people who have died... They're in heaven, they come back, they get their bodies, instantly they get their glorified body, and they go to heaven. You and I, whoo, we're snatched up. All believers all over the world. Probably two billion people will be gone in an instant. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us of the temporary nature of our existence on earth. The Bible tells us that everything we see is going to go away and be replaced by a new heaven and earth. We were encouraged to spread the news of the gospel to our friends, informing them that they have only a limited time to make a decision for Christ. Death or the tribulation will make that choice final. 
We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Eagerly Waiting. He will continue unpacking the teaching of the rapture of the church. We'll study the scriptures that speak about this event and what happens on the earth after the followers of Christ are here no more. We will be reminded of the need for us to study the scriptures on our own and become informed on these matters. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious, Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.